The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on August 26th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White. Today on the show, we had a couple NL East studs on the mound and they did not disappoint. We've got Week 22 sleepers, two-star pitchers, and it's been a while since we've done Fantasy Justice for All. So let's fire that back up. But first, let's jump in. Oh my good goodness gracious! Oh my goodness gracious. Scott White is here and he is ready to reveal his standout right now. Yeah. Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn, what did I tell you suckers about Lance Lynn? Told you he was going to be fine, didn't I? Well, well, he looks fine in August. So this latest start at Baltimore Thursday, one earned run in six innings, three hits allowed, eight strikeouts, 15 swinging strikes on 100 pitches. That's obviously a really good rate. And that brings his August line across five starts to 273 ERA, 0.91 whip, 10.3 strikeouts per nine innings. I think Lance Lynn is fine. All right. And he was kind of in a weird group of the rankings, at least for me, where like pitchers you didn't really know what to do with, like Jose Barrios, Pablo Lopez, who, you know, been up and down all season long and I would say based on how he's pitched in the month of August, Lance Lynn has definitely earned the right to to move back up the rankings at least a little bit, distance himself from uh, some of those inconsistent pitchers. So uh, he looked good again here at the Orioles on Thursday, and I think uh, he's working his way back into the circle of trust. Speaking of pitching, Scott, we had <laughs> two NLE studs on the mound. And look, there's nothing I'm going to tell you about Aaron Nola or Jacob DeGrom that you didn't already know. But they were amazing. Aaron Nola throws a five-hit shutout up against the Cincinnati Reds. Did not walk a single batter. Had 11 strikeouts, 16 swinging strikes, 
I didn't really see anything in the pitch mix. You know, he threw a few more curveballs and sinkers in this start. Uh, but I think a large majority of it was just going up against the Cincinnati Reds. That brings his season-long ERA to 308. The FIP, XFIP, much better than that. He's got 185 strikeouts over 166 and two-thirds innings pitched. Just 22 walks in 25 starts for Aranola and an 11.7% swinging strike rate. He is now, if my math is correct, the SP8 in head-to-head points leagues after this start. Anything that you saw from Aranola here, Scott, or uh, whether, even if you just like to gloat about Aranola, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, I, I'm not much of a gloater, I don't think, despite, I, <laughs> despite what I just said about Lance Lynn and calling everybody suckers. <laughs> uh, but... I, I do think I do think the attitude toward Aaron Nola is still kind of weird. Like I, I see what he's done this year. I have him in a few leagues and like I feel great about it. I, I I do feel like he's been more or less an ace. Nothing really to complain about, except that he has a nine and ten record even after winning today. So I don't I don't know if it's just a, if it's all attached to that win loss record. I mean the fact like you said, he's the, the eighth best pitcher in points leagues, which is the format where win-loss record would probably matter the most. And he's still eighth. Like, I, I'm just not sure what anybody has to complain about with Aaron Nola at this point. He's had a great year. He's, I mean, he's not going to be. He's not going to be in Cy Young. He might get a Cy Young vote or two, but he's not going to be a serious contender for for that award. But like, he's an ace. He's an ace. He's pitched like one. He's he's good. The only thing that I notice about Aranola, and I don't have him anywhere, so if anyone listening or watching feels differently about Aranola, please let me know. It just feels like he gets not blown up, but touched up a little bit more than your typical ace in fantasy baseball. So I just counted his game log. He has given up four plus runs eight different times this season. That just seems a little bit high for an SP1. You know, Scott, like, I know Garrett Cole, he's been touched up a little bit this year, too. He's clearly not the pitcher that he was one, he was once either. But mm-hmm. it just feels like that number is a little bit high for Aranola. Four-plus runs and eight starts. Yeah, that may have something to do with attitude. That's fair. I, I mean, it when it comes out to a 308 ERA and a .94 whip, that means he has <laughs> a lot of, like, starts like this one where he right. goes very deep and, and doesn't allow anything. And, and so I think the highs would make up for the lows, but yeah. you know, that, that kind of gets into psychology, I guess, of, uh, of just how, how things are interpreted. But yeah, no, I, I have nothing to complain about with Aaron Nola top 12 pitcher rest of season, top 12 pitcher for next year. All right. And then the other NLE stud, I mean, Jacob Grom just doing, uh, doing Jacob to goat things, Nine plus strikeouts in four straight starts now. He's only made five starts. It's returning. The other one, he had six strikeouts, but he was up against the Rockies in City Field, not in Coors Field. Six innings, one run, nine strikeouts for him, 17 swinging strikes on 87 pitches, 12 of those coming on the slider, five on the fastball. Uh, he threw that slider a season high 51% in this start. And on the season, he's got a 53% whiff rate on his slider. That means that more than half of the swings that he gets on that pitch are swings and misses, <laughs> which is just insane. It is absolutely insane. Uh, Jacob DeGrom now has a 2.15 ERA, and his swinging strike rate for the season, Scott, is 23%. So yeah. to put that in perspective, 
Shane McClanahan leads all qualified starting pitchers with a 16.3% swinging strike rate. The difference between Jacob deGrom and Shane McClanahan is the same difference between Shane McClanahan and Cole Irvin. Think about that for a second. You got that? Did it process? Because I mean, I it mean, seems Cole pretty Irvin, crazy. Cole Irvin's had a really good year, so I don't know. I don't know if it, <laughs> I'm just talking about from a swinging that, strike perspective. No, you know I what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I, I get it. I just wonder if 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 it's going to land with the audience the way it should. Because yeah, Cole Irvin is not any kind of bad. He's very good. It, yeah, except he just, when he's you know, facing the Marlins, <laughs> of course. Like Cole Irvin, it's not a knock against Cole Irvin. Like he's a really good pitcher, but he pitches to contact. He just he doesn't get many strikeouts. Yeah. So it's just. To show that disparity between, like, Jacob deGrom is that far ahead of the actual qualified leader in swinging strike rate, which, I, you know, how many times can we say the same thing? It's, you know, as long as Jacob deGrom is healthy. And, you know, Scott, I'm starting to think anything could happen, right? Start to start. But mm-hmm. he's entering, this is a contract year for him. Going down the stretch here, I wouldn't be surprised if even if he gets nicked up a little bit, He's going to try and pitch through it. I mean, this guy is, he's about to get another contract, right? Like, if he can leave the lasting memory for teams, you know, who are, are going to be on in on the bidding for him, of him just, like, shutting down every team down the stretch in a pennant race, that that's, that's going to matter. I think that's going to matter. Like, teams seeing him healthy for the final two months, and he's going to get some, you know, short contract with, like, massive AAV, something similar to, like, what Max Scherzer got, but... I wouldn't be surprised if at this point DeGrom finds a way to stay healthy for the rest of the season. Yeah, if he gets nicked up a bit, if if he gets more than nicked up, I mean, only so much you can do. I have moved him up to eighth in my rest of season rankings now at starting pitcher. So my rank, you know, I when we had had these, you know, it, trading Jacob DeGrom discussions, what would it take to for you to part with Jacob deGrom, given the level of concern. I always set a very high bar. So now I think my ranking matches up with that high bar that I've set. For instance, he's ahead of Aaron Nola, and I know that was one that came up. Oh, would you trade deGrom for Aaron Nola? No, I don't think I would, but I have Nola ranked ahead, yada, yada. I mean, with every start, he exits healthy. It seems all the more likely he's going to remain healthy, and this is three in a row where he's gone six plus innings. And yeah, he looks like Jacob deGrom. I mean, this is third straight year, 22% strikeout rate. Uh, yeah. Technically a little higher this year than the last two, but he's been an outlier in that regard for a long time <laughs> and a lot of regards for a long time. <laughs> it's absolutely absurd. And look, it's nothing we haven't said before. As long as he's healthy, he is the best pitcher on a per inning, on a per start basis. It's just ranking a pitcher like Jacob deGrom is so hard. So you know, Scott has him inside of his top 10. I'm kind of being stubborn and, and holding firm, you know, in that 15 to 20 range. He's better than that. I know that. But I, I still do think that there is quite a risk, uh, quite a lot of risk involved with uh, having Jacob deGrom. It doesn't really matter at this point because I'd imagine most people's trade deadlines are are gone and passed anyway. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about a hitter, Scott. The NL Triple Crown is actually within reach. And you know, I saw a tweet about it recently and I was like, man, is, is Paul Goldschmidt really that close? And yeah, he is. And he got a little bit closer here on Thursday. He went three for four with a double dong. He's now up to 33 homers. And he's first in the National League in batting average, 339. I believe Freddie Freeman's at like 326. He's first in the league in RBI, tied for first, rather, 
105 with Pete Alonso. That that one's going to be close because obviously, you know, Pete Alonso has been amazing and the Mets have a pretty good lineup ahead of him as well. And Paul Goldschmidt is second in home runs in the National League. He's got 33. Kyle Schwarber hit another one here on Thursday and, and now he's at 35. But man, this is this is well within reach. So uh, it's been a ridiculous season for Goldschmidt. And I, I think he's going to be a really interesting one to talk about mm-hmm. in the offseason and going into next year because it's just like, how much do you trust it in his mid thirties? So, well, it I think it's a lot easier to trust considering he did like the rebound season came last year, and I think we had a lot of skepticism coming into this year because, you know, a, a guy deep into his thirties who looked like he was on the decline, and and then he rebounds. What was going on there? Is it something he can sustain? Well, he has, and, and then some, for a second straight season. But 35 is what he's going to be next year, and that's old. (laughs) (laughs) It's old. It's, it's, you know, we've seen plenty of, well, not plenty of, but we, Nelson Cruz obviously sustained basically the same level of his, of production till about 40. Uh, David Ortiz, same thing. It, it can happen. And, Particularly, I mean, is this going to be Paul Goldschmidt's the best year of his career? So I'm looking at it right now. It's the highest OPS of his career. Yeah, and I, and, and OPS plus would it be the highest OPS plus? I I'm looking at Fangraph, so okay. I, I customize it myself, and I don't have OPS plus as like one of my readily available stats. I'm sorry, Scott. Well, I could check on it real quick. So it would also be ooh. Yeah, the highest OPS plus of his career by a lot. Yeah, even like weighted runs created plus, he's at 195. His previous high was 163. (laughs) And this this is for a guy who's probably going to the Hall of Fame. He's doing this at age 35. I was just thinking that too. I was like, he's probably a Hall of Famer, Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. But you know, no, I agree. It's going to be really interesting. When we did the last version of uh, redrafting the first two rounds, rest of season, which was around the All Star break. Uh, I I went into that process thinking he'd be a first rounder and I couldn't really find anybody who was doing anything similar who agreed with me. So I chickened out and put him in round two. But when we're drafting for next year, you know, he's going to have had another six months of aging. Uh, <laughs> a lot. Can- I don't know. It's going to be really hard, I think, not to take him in round one. Oh, he's, I, I don't think he's going to be a first. I don't think he's going to be a first round pick, Scott. Okay. No. I mean, I could be wrong about that. <laughs> Like maybe no, he's... you're you're probably right because of everything I just said. But like, I feel like he should be. I feel like he should be a first round pick. I feel like he should be the top first baseman drafted in a first round pick. I wonder how much this is going to matter. He has the biggest difference in batting average versus expecting batting average in all of baseball, and in in a bad way, obviously. So mm-hmm. he's hitting three thirty five. His xba is two sixty five. And then he has the second biggest difference in slugging percentage minus X slug, uh, only behind Jose Ramirez, which is also kind of interesting. But yeah, like his batted ball data is not as good as it was last year, yet he's mm. having a way better season. So mm. I, I think that's something people are going to look into too. Like I think Goldschmidt's going to be worthy of probably a second. He might like slip into oh, the third round he, pick. Yeah, he can't. He can't slip past round two. <laughs> I think it's going to surprise round- you, Scotty. <sighs> I guess I'm going to have a lot of Goldschmidt if it happens. Yeah, I I hope so. But uh, (laughs) yeah, he's going to be a fun one to 
to, to look at in the offseason. Let's take a look at some waiver wire hitters here on Thursday. And you know, the biggest one that stands out to me who can actually make an impact for your team, like there's a few other names here, but Shea Langoliers, more so for two catcher leagues. Like if you're starting him in a one catcher league, you you've probably had a pretty bad catcher all season long. But he went two for three and hit his second home run. The strikeout rate is massive, Scott. I mean, it's 40%. Like, eventually, that's going to catch up to him. Like, he's got to make adjustments on that regard. And he's not hitting the ball all that hard. Like, 86 mile per hour average exit velocity. But his barrel, yeah. barrel rate is good, which tells me he hits the ball hard when he puts it in the air, which is what matters. So, he's 29% rostered. How, how high did you get him up the rankings this week when you were updating him? Not that high. I mean, enough for him to be rostered in two catcher leagues. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, I think he just picked up another. Yeah, he picked up another hit just now. So three hits on the day, a home run, and two RBI. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still skeptical, given the strikeout rate, given the average exit velocity. Probably going to be a pretty good source of power. Could he be Cal Raleigh? Maybe. Is uh, yeah? How how much should we get excited about that? Right. Certainly in two catcher leagues, that's that's somebody worth having. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm still pretty skeptical of Langoliers making being a real impact player in fantasy. Not that he can't be useful in the right situation, but yeah. being an impact player. So I moved him up to my 17th ranked catcher, which is just ahead of Joey Bart, Jose Trevino, Christian Vasquez, Gary Sanchez, which. I, yeah, I think that's right behind Cal Raleigh. Uh, yeah, I have Raleigh up at 14th. It's, I mean, he strikes out a lot, but he's actually been pretty consistent this season. Uh, Cal Raleigh has. So they're similar players, but Raleigh has done it for longer, obviously, this year. So yeah, I, w- I would rather have Raleigh than, than Langoliers. Um, but yeah, definitely in any two catcher leagues where he's available, I think uh, Shea Langoliers should be rostered. Where should you add these names, if anywhere? Manny Margot went four for five with a double, a triple, two runs, and two RBI. I brought his name up the other day, Scott, and whenever he's played this year, he's been pretty good. It's you know, He doesn't have tremendous power or tremendous speed, but does a little bit of everything. He's 29% rostered. The problem for next week is he only has five games, so where should Manny Margot be rostered? Uh, probably deserves to be rostered in five outfielder leagues. Even 12-teamers? Yeah, I, I imagine somebody in a 12-team, five-outfielder league could use uh, Manuel Margot. Now, is that somebody you who's been listening to the podcast all year and, and probably been more active on the waiver wire and probably has a pretty full bench? Maybe it's not you, but somebody. If, if everybody in your league is like that and, and so there's an honest competition for players emerging on the waiver wire, then yeah, he, he probably deserves to be rostered in that format. All right, next up, we have Christian Arroyo, who went two for four with two steals. And in the month of August, he's batting 342 with one homer, six doubles, and those two steals, which he just picked up. He's 9% rostered, and he is eligible everywhere on CBS except first base and catcher. Uh, the Red Sox are one of, I believe, four teams that have seven games next week, so that does help Arroyo. Uh, where should he be rostered, Scott, if anywhere? Mm, have to be a really, really deep league, I think. Yep. Like, like AL only. <laughs> yeah, not even in 15-teamers? I'm starting uh, in a 15-team league, but I'm pretty desperate, so. I mean, if you have to, you have to, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But no, I would not I would not be enthusiastic about doing that with Christian Arroyo. Like, I'd go for Donovan Solano over him if I had to. 
All right. And the last one is Kyle Stowers, the Orioles outfield prospect who hit his first career home run here in a very clutch moment. Two outs, two strikes, down by one run. He's going up against Liam Hendricks, right? One of the best closers in the game. And then hits a uh, a hanging curveball slider or something like that um, to straightaway center field. It was actually a crazy play, Scott, because earlier in the at-bat, their right fielder, I think Adam Engel, he dropped a fly ball in foul territory, which should have ended the game. I mean, it was it was a play that he could have made. And then later in the at-bat, Kyle Stowers actually hits a game-tying home run. So it's pretty pretty rough feeling for poor Adam Engel. But uh, <sighs> Kyle Stowers, what do you think about him? I don't think much of him. I think strikeouts are going to be a major issue. I, he's powerful enough to pop home runs from time to time. But I don't think he has quite the upside we're looking for in fantasy. I do love the hair. Have you seen the hair, Scott? I mean, this yeah, is like very, very blonde, bleach blonde. You know, the first mm-hmm. thing that came to mind, I was like, if there was a baseball version of young Madonna, like that's what mm. it would look like. It would look like Kyle Stowers. It looks like a Targaryen. <laughs> You're not wrong. Speaking of which, neither of us have started House of the Dragon. Slacking. No. And you're probably not going to start it for the next five years, at least. So. No, no, not, not, not that, you know, I'm, I'm not somebody. Uh, the way I consume TV, I think, is really how everybody should consume TV. But I can't convince anybody but myself to consume TV this way. Like, it, every show ends up so rewarding. I, I wait until it's almost over. Or, you know, sometimes I don't get around to it until it is completely over. And I just binge it all at once. Ideally, I'll time it so that I finish the series with everybody else. If it doesn't happen, that's fine. I'm a little late to finish it. No big deal. And, uh, you know, every, every, I, I feel totally immersed by the show. I don't miss anything that happened early on. I'm not, I'm not like waiting months and sometimes years. Sometimes it's years between seasons now. And like, coming up with all these crazy ideas on my own that the reality isn't going to live up to. I just finish an episode. I don't think that much about it. I move on to the next one. And, and you know, it, it doesn't create these unrealistic expectations that I think a lot of times ruin shows for people. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just, you know, there, there are many benefits to it. That's one, though. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's the optimal way to watch TV shows. But, I mean, there is also a FOMO factor, Scott, where it's just, you know, Breaking Bad, I, I caught it in the middle while it was airing, right? And then I caught up and then I had to watch the final two seasons on like live television, which was brutal. Yeah. Like waiting it's every torture. single week. Yeah, it was yeah. it was absolutely brutal. So I yeah. agree with you, but there's also like this FOMO factor where, you know, everyone else is talking about how good it is. You're like, man, I gotta I wanna watch this. I wanna I wanna catch up. I wanna know what, what the hype is all about. So, yeah. No, I mean, that you do lose the social element. Yeah. I just don't care that much about that. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm usually, if, if I am caught up and I'm, I can discuss it with people, I, their yeah. opinions usually just annoy me. So <laughs> I'd rather just enjoy it on my own anyway. Yeah, I don't think your kids are asking you about the latest episode of House of the Dragon anyway, Scott. No. So <laughs> I think no. you'll be all right. Uh, waiver Wire Pitchers from Thursday. Slim Pickens out here, not much going on. Patrick Sandoval, Scott, you know, what do you do with a start like this, right? So he's following up his complete game. His previous start was amazing, right? It was against the Detroit Tigers, but it was against the Tigers. He's at Tampa Bay. He gives up five runs. Only one of them was earned. So some questionable defense behind him. He goes six innings, five strikeouts. Technically, it's a quality start, but it's like, is it really? He still gave up five runs. So I, personally, I don't know what to do with a start like this. 
He's given up just one walk over his last two starts. I think that part is very promising for Patrick Sandoval, who has struggled mightily with his control. He's 67% rostered, up against the Yankees next week. Don't love yeah. it with Stanton back in the lineup. What do you think about Sandoval? I mean, overall, positive feelings about this. I, you know, it's always weird when you give up that many unearned runs. There was only one error committed. I didn't see it. I, I don't really know how the inning played out. He did allow just six base runners in six innings, so that that suggests to me, um, you know, maybe he's maybe you know because you know sometimes you get those unearned runs and it's like yeah, but the pitcher really does deserve blame for for letting that many in. You know, I, I don't know how it played out for Sandoval in this start, but I think overall I was encouraged by it. Ten swinging strikes on ninety pitches. I mean, that still doesn't seem like what Sandoval should be with that amazing changeup and that really good slider as well. Uh, and and coming off that start against the Tigers, where he had how many swinging strikes? I mean, I understand it was the Tigers, twenty six swinging <laughs> strikes to to regress Crazy. to ten. Not totally unexpected, but that that's the one disappointing part of the stat line. I, I agree. If he can keep the walks down like he's done these past two starts, then it's a game changer for Sandoval. Probably deserves to be a little more rusted than he is, but I'm not dying to pick him up either. Mm-hmm. Would you rather add him or Matt Manning, who we spoke about yesterday? Well, Matt Manning is in line for two starts next week, and they're against Seattle and Kansas City. It's pretty good. So certainly if you're looking to stream somebody, I think Manning is the better choice. I agree. A couple other pitchers here, and these are all kind of in the same category, pitch to contact, not overly exciting, but I don't know, Scott. Maybe you saw something that I didn't. Dakota Hudson had his first quality start since July 9th. He was at the Cubs, seven innings, two runs, four strikeouts in this one. Marco Gonzalez, a strong start against the Guardians, six innings, one run, four strikeouts for him. Jordan Lyles, seven innings, two runs allowed. One of those earned only two strikeouts. Did give up nine hits, so not great. And then Justin Dunn, who you might remember from last year, he was with the Mariners. He had some okay moments down the stretch. Like, you know, he actually turned into a streamable pitcher. Uh, He's now with the Reds, so it's not a great park to pitch in. But he was good in this start, if nothing else. Six innings, two runs, five strikeouts. Scott, Uh why are you laughing at me? <laughs> okay moments. Yeah, if you can't I mean, man- if you can't manage an okay moment every now and then, boy, yeah, you are. I mean, it is Justin Dunn. So I'm just, I'm trying to well, give him a little. Here's credit. the thing about Justin Dunn. He is an extreme fly ball pitcher yeah. with control issues in Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, <laughs> yeah, I, I'll be surprised if he ever amounts to anything. If he ever has more than just those okay moments. I'll be surprised. Okay. Anything else on Hudson, Marco G, and Lyles? Uh, so Marco Gonzalez's start for this upcoming week is against the Tigers. Oh, yes. And I wasn't planning to have him as one of my 10 sleeper pitchers because he entered this start. Did Gonzalez with a 669 ERA in his previous six. Ugh. And obviously the strikeout rate's terrible. But it's the Tigers, so... I may not. I I may be able to get him in the ten sleeper pitchers. I may not, but know that if he's not in there, then he's number eleven. All right. Last one I want to ask you about is Marcus Stroman's guy. I know you've you've kind of defended Marcus Stroman over the past month or so. I know the underlying numbers look pretty good, but he's knocked yeah. around against the Cardinals in this one. Five innings, eleven hits, five runs allowed, eleven hard hits in this one. 
And over his last five starts, he now has a 4.35 ERA. His overall ERA is up to 4.10. He's 70% rostered still at the Blue Jays next week. You know, personally, I don't love that one. You know, would you be yeah. would you be okay dropping Stroman for Matt Manning or Patrick Sandoval or like a Nick Lodolo, for example? Yeah, I'd probably drop Stroman for all three at okay. this point. Yeah, I mean, there was a while when the XFIP was down at 3.2 and, and really his only bad start was a really, really bad start right before going on the IL. But, you know, now he's, three of his past four have been bad and the XFIP's up to 342, which may not sound like a big difference, but, you know, the thing about XFIP is everybody's is basically between you know, 2.9 and 4.2, you know. So a difference of two-tenths of a point is is not insignificant. All righty. I know I've mentioned a lot recently that the Fantasy Football Today Draft-a-thon is coming up, and, well, it is Wednesday, August 31st. This upcoming Wednesday, of course, supporting St. Jude's Children's Hospital. And as I've mentioned, we've been auctioning off a bunch of different things to to help with the cause. And recently, we auctioned off a spot in the FBT Listener League for next year. We currently have one open uh, to guest uh, make a guest appearance on this very podcast. And we do have two more special offers for you. So we are auctioning off a 2023 pre-draft, pre-fantasy baseball draft Zoom call with Scotty and myself. Not together, we're doing this separately. So there's going to be two different listings on eBay. Both links are in the podcast and the YouTube description. If you want a private Zoom call with Scott White next year to help you with your draft, then this is exactly what you're bidding on. Or you can bid on the one with me, but we'll probably just wind up talking about Adam Sandler movies or something stupid. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. that Since they're separate <laughs> entries, now it's like, who's going to go for more? Is Scott, this, this going to create a situation <laughs> between us? Is this going to cause envy? I have a pretty good feeling I know who's going to go for more. No. <laughs> and it's Who, not you? me. <laughs> no. Oh, come on. No Nobody chance, wants to dude. talk to me. You know I'm, how a many... total, I'm a total misanthrope. Scott, you, you know, know how many... We can't talk about House of the Dragon. <laughs> you know how many YouTube comments there are about like how much people love you and your ah. analysis? It happens ah. all the time, dude. Don't sell yourself short, Scotty. Anyway, if you want a <laughs> private Zoom call with either one of us to help you with your football, uh, baseball draft next year, then you could bid on that. We'll take down whoever wins. We'll take down your contact info, and then we'll hit you up in, in March, and, and we'll figure it all out. But yes, those things are all live right now, and it's for a great cause. Again, all of the winnings, the the proceeds are going to go towards St. Jude's Children, Children's Hospital as part of the Fantasy Football Today Draftathon. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this. The news and notes. Unfortunately, Scott, we had a few pretty big players go on the IL, seemingly out of nowhere on Thursday, so <laughs> let's get to it. Zach Wheeler placed in the IL with right forearm tendonitis, retroactive to August 22nd, and Bailey Falter is expected to start Friday against the Pirates in his place. It's a big loss. I mean, we're talking about a, a top five, top ten pitcher in fantasy baseball. Uh, and then we also lost Nestor Cortez, who placed in the IL with a left groin strain, retroactive to August 22nd as well. I did see some rumblings that this could be the Yankees trying to manage his workload and his innings. So, you know, maybe that, perhaps that is the case. I, I don't know who's going to start in his place. Maybe it's Clark Schmidt. They called him up yeah, recently. It is, it is Clark Schmidt. Okay. I did see that. And and Clark Schmidt, you know, he's he's made appearances in the majors before. Yeah. 
nothing to write home about. But in eight starts at AAA this year, 327 ERA, 106 whip, 12.5K per nine. I mean, there's there's some talent there for Clark Schmidt, something to keep an eye on. And and honestly, he's been in and out of the, the Phillies rotation a lot this year. He's kind of been their designated spot starter. But Bailey Falter might, might be somewhat decent as well. His AAA numbers this year in nine starts, a 191 ERA, 0.66 whip. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and the K per nine, uh, 9.4. So, and, and last year he had an ERA below two at AAA as well. Mm. Now, he, he hasn't looked anything like that in the majors, and I suspect he won't, but... Uh, in his two most recent, his two most recent starts in the majors were quality starts. One against the Mets, one earned run in six. One against the Pirates, two earned runs in six with eight strikeouts. So, you know, if you're looking for, I believe he's RP eligible as well. So if you're looking yes. for an extra spark and and you have some extra roster space, don't don't sleep on Bailey Falter. Yeah, I, you're right, Scott. He has RP eligibility. So for those who play in maybe some deeper points leagues. Um, Bailey Falter could be a spark. And, and if you play in daily lineup leagues, he gets the Pirates this Friday, which personally I, I would be okay streaming him there. And then his next start is at the Arizona Diamondbacks. So I don't think that's a terrible matchup either. Ryan Presley was the other name. He also went to the IL with neck stiffness. And I was going to give you all these different scenarios, Scott, about how Rafael Montero pitched yesterday and Hector Neris pitched the day before. And maybe it's a committee. And then on Thursday, there, there was a save opportunity and it went to Rafael Montero. So... I kinda, yeah, he's up to eight. He's up to eight saves now. He replaced Ryan Presley earlier in the year when Presley was out. So I suspect that's going to happen again. Okay. By the way, just a quick comment on Wheeler and Cortez. Maybe maybe it will be a minimal stay for Cortez, just managing the innings. Uh, I think that's less likely for Wheeler. No reason they would be managing his innings. Mm-hmm. And you know we're we're less than six in six weeks to go less than six weeks to go in the season so every injury has the potential to be a season ender unfortunately hopefully that's not the case for wheeler but you know it doesn't have to be that serious of an injury to be an injury that ends his season now the phillies are very much in the postseason picture i mean i kind of feel like the postseason teams in the nl are basically set it's just jockeying for position at this point and the phillies are among them so, you know, they have every motivation to get Wheeler back as soon as possible. But I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not so cheery about, about him making a significant fantasy impact here down the stretch. You know, I pulled up the standings, Scott, just to see uh, what the National League looks like. The only team that might, I mean, they're very much in the mix, is the Milwaukee Brewers. So they're one and a half no, out of the wild no, card. They're, they're one of the seven. I feel like there's basically who who is who is going to break into the top seven who isn't already in the top seven. Is it seven teams that make the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, three wild cards now. Oh wait, oh it's just six. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I was looking at it because like they have this big line that's like a cutoff, and Milwaukee's below it. So I'm like, uh, I don't know, Scott. It's okay. only six. They did just change it, and I'm <laughs> right. sorry. That that's my bad. No, no, it's all good. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. So only three wild cards. Okay. So Phillies aren't necessarily in. They still have to hold off the Brewers. Yeah. But the Phillies actually have a better record than the Padres now, too. So one of those three teams isn't going to make it. 
Yep, that is correct. Speaking of the Phillies, Bryce Harper will be reinstated on Friday. You'll love to see it. Wander Franco will not resume his rehab assignment until next week at the earliest. He's been experiencing soreness in his surgically repaired right wrist. Giancarlo Stanton returned and hit third in the Yankees lineup here. And I was going to pull up what he did. I think he did something. He had a single at least at least one hit of 117 miles per hour, which is just prime Stanton. He went one for four with three RBI and a walk, so solid game for him. Tyler Malley has resumed throwing and is expected to toss a bullpen session on Friday. He went to the IL last weekend with right shoulder inflammation. Kyle Tucker was not in the lineup on Thursday due to a foot injury. He is day-to-day. Shane Boz has been cleared to resume a throwing program on Monday and remains hopeful that he will return this season. I'm not so sure. Yasmani Grandal will report to AAA to begin a rehab assignment on Friday. Christian Javier will not make his scheduled turn through the rotation this weekend against the Orioles, but will be available out of the bullpen. And this is the time of year, Scott. I think we're going to see a lot of this, which is very frustrating for weekly lineup lock leagues because we might not get this news until halfway through the week, something like this, and you have Javier in your lineup, and the next thing you know, he's not starting. So it's it's pretty frustrating, but... I don't know how you can avoid it. Well, yeah, I mean, it probably would have helped to look ahead and see the Astros have only five games coming up in week 22. And with two off days, why would you stick with six men? Right. Now, it didn't. I didn't think to check that. So easy, easier said than done. But that is something you could do if you want to. Uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily, I, I wouldn't say it was so obvious Javier would have been the one skipped even knowing it was five games so you're right but looking a week ahead isn't necessarily a bad idea either ty france left thursday's game with a right calf bruise david peterson will rejoin the mets rotation saturday and start against the rockies so another name there in daily lineup leagues if you want to stream him against the rockies this weekend I have absolutely no issue with that. Jared Walsh is officially done for the season after going to the 60-day IL with thoracic outlet syndrome, which is it's obviously very bad for pitchers. I don't really know how much it affects hitters, but it's not a, not a good thing, obviously. Let's jump into week 22, and we'll start with the schedule, which is pretty straightforward. We don't have any teams with eight games or anything crazy like that. We do have two teams with five games, the Astros and the Rays. We have 24 teams with six games, and then we have four teams with seven games next week. The D-backs, the Cubs, the Dodgers, and the Brewers. Starters sit these fringe two-star pitchers for next week. We've got Frankie Montas at the Angels and at the Rays. Frankie Montas, Angels and Rays. I lean yes. I lean yes because those matchups are so good. I mean, the Rays, the Rays really, I, I understand they're a playoff-bound team in all likelihood. You know, it's, it's a close competition between them, the Jays and the Orioles, I guess. But they're currently in a playoff position. But yeah, their offense, their offense hasn't been very good. So I'm a little nervous about Montas not having the splitter. Doesn't seem like that's been working for him since joining the Yankees, but the matchups are good enough that I'd roll the dice. Taiwan Walker versus the Dodgers and versus the Nationals. Lean yes on him also. Rather that Dodgers matchup not be in there. All right. We've got Ranger Suarez at the Diamondbacks and at the Giants. 
I'm going to leave him for points leagues. Now, if he had two favorable matchups, it might be different, but the Giants matchup is pretty tough. And he's coming off a shaky start. All right, we've got Lucas Giolito. <laughs> Good luck. Versus the Royals and versus the Twins. What do we think? Didn't, wasn't he in line to be a two-star pitcher this week? It's always... I think so. Always, it's all, when, it, when it happens two weeks in a row, it's like, what happened? I don't, I don't even know. Uh, leaving him for points, Leaks. And then we have Mike Clevenger at the Giants and at the Dodgers. He's been a little bit more inconsistent recently. Yeah, and those are two tough matchups. So I'm leaving him for points, Leaks, too. Last one, Pablo Lopez versus the Dodgers and at the Braves. <laughs> <laughs> really tough matchups. Yeah. Also leaving Lopez for points leagues. Uh, yeah, I think I'm... Obviously, I'm going to play him in the Scott White Dynasty League, Scott, but uh, <laughs> don't, point league. don't really feel great about it. You yeah. don't really have an option in a 24-team league. Uh, I did misspeak, by the way. I said the Cubs have seven games next week. They do not. That is the Red Sox instead of the Cubs. So it's the D-backs, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, and the Brewers that have seven games next week. Two-star pitchers to add and stream for Week 22. Who do you have here, Scotty? Not many. I have Cole Irvin, who barely makes the cut, already 78% rostered. But he is at Washington, at Baltimore. Normally, we prefer him at home. The, whole, the, the road numbers aren't great for Irvin, but those are two good places to pitch and, and two favorable matchups, especially at Baltimore. That might be the best venue for Cole Irvin. I also have Matt Manning. He's much more available, only 38% rostered. I mentioned earlier against the Mariners, against the Royals, coming off the best two starts of his career and four straight with double-digit swinging strikes. And then a bit deeper, you know, I wouldn't be eager to do this in every league, but Spencer Watkins. He has Cleveland and Oakland on the schedule this week, only 15% rostered. You know, you, you can only set your expectations so high, but... I, th- I think he'll be able to minimize damage at least with those two matchups. All right. Fortune favors the brave. And you know what they're calling this, this period right now, Scott, in crypto history? This is known as the crypto winter. Did you know that? Mm. I did not. I, you know, I, I wish that Matt Damon would have told us that winter was coming instead of, you know, <laughs> fortune favors the brave. Hey, pour all your money yeah. into Bitcoin. This is a great idea. Uh, not that I did that or anything. And I hope no one else did it either because... Obviously, it's a very rough time. Anyway, fortune favors the Braves. Scott, who do you have here? Someone that you you don't want to start this person. In fact, you, you really shouldn't. But maybe you're <laughs> desperate and you need some volume. Yeah, I'd like to say Spencer Watkins, but I've already used him. <laughs> so, I will say. I'll give uh, you the name just below him, Scott. Hopefully, you aren't going to take him. Well, I, I, I saw in the rundown that you had already chosen this guy. So yeah. go, go ahead and take him. So come up with somebody else. I, think, I think someone will be able to talk themselves into Brian Bayo because he's got the prospect pedigree. There's, you know, there was a lot of excitement when he got called up. And he's coming off a really good start. But next week at the Twins versus the Rangers, okay, not the toughest matchups, but he hasn't shown me enough yet, Scott. So... I could see someone kind of talking themselves into it, but it's not going to be me. Yeah, I'll go with the, his teammate who has those same two matchups, Minnesota and Texas, and that is Cutter Crawford. Oh, gosh. Definitely the yeah. luster has been lost on him. Oh, yeah. But, you know, 
we're, we're not we're not picking from the best and brightest in the fortune favors the brave segment <laughs> hey that's that's the whole point so <laughs> stay away from those red sox pitchers next week we didn't have many two-start pitchers but we do have quite a few single start streamers scotty who are they yeah some good ones we've got johnny cueto against the royals Josiah Gray against the Athletics. I think we'll see more, more of the strikeout Josiah Gray than the home run Josiah Gray with that matchup. David Peterson gets the Nationals. Hopefully he features the slider more than he did in his last turn. Ross Stripling at the Pirates, coming off back-to-back six-inning starts. Jake Odorizzi against the Marlins. That's a good matchup, and he obviously has a good lineup backing him. Jose Quintana at Cincinnati, you know, scary venue, but he, he's he's not so prone to home runs. And rounding out the list, uh, you know what? I am going to put Marco Gonzalez in here coming off this start. He faces the Tigers next time. But if it wasn't him, it would have been Eduardo Rodriguez against Seattle. Maybe they're going head-to-head. In fact, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Marco Gonzalez, famous last words. Just remember where you heard them first. Fantasy baseball today. Let's move over to the hitters. We've got the best hitter matchups for next week. The Red Sox, the Brewers, the Blue Jays, the Cardinals, and the A's. The worst hitter matchups, Marlins, Padres, Astros, Rays, and Pirates. With that being said, your sleeper hitters for week 22. So this is one of those weeks where it was tough to find 10 names that I could get behind. Just not a lot of teams with good hitter matchups. It seemed like, but one of them is the Cardinals, as you mentioned. They have the fourth best. So Lars Newbar. I mean, he's the gimme. He's the he's the free space on the bingo card. Still only fifty three percent rostered, and he's been on fire. And I think he's pretty good. His teammate Dylan Carlson isn't a bad play this week. His other teammate Albert Pujols, I managed to to fit on here. Now, there's a good chance he starts only four games you know, of the six the Cardinals have, but he would, I, I presume he would start the three against the lefties and Albert Pujols numbers against lefties are redonk. It's like a 1300 OPS. So this, this might actually be a week to use him if, if you could justify rostering him in the first place. I also like um, cheating, getting Hunter Renfro on here. He's already 80% rostered. Mm. But I like those Brewers matchups against the Pirates for three and at Arizona for four. Uh, his teammate Andrew McCutcheon, I think, is a good play this week. Alec Bohm. So you didn't mention the Phillies with the uh, among the teams with the best matchups, but their matchups are okay. And uh, more to the point, they have three left-handers on the schedule in their six games this year. Alec Bohm. Against left-handers is batting 355 with a 970 OPS. And he's hot right now. So I think he's a pretty good play. Uh, let's see. Other name I'll mention here is Franchi Cordero. Just because we haven't talked about him. He's 2% rostered. <laughs> and he appears to be the Red Sox first baseman now that Eric Hosmer is hurt. They didn't call up. Tristan Casas, they instead called up Franchi Cordero. And since coming back up, Franchi Cordero has uh, homer twice already, and I believe it's just three or four games. Prior to the call-up, he was 
in, in his last five minor league games, he was nine for 20 with three home runs. So that's what five home runs now in his last eight, nine games, something like that. Right. And he's a guy who's always stood out for how hard he hits the ball. So like, I don't, it may not be a total fluke that he's suddenly hitting these home runs. Obviously I wouldn't be recommending him if the Red Sox didn't have the most favorable matchups of any team and six are against right-handers. Cordero is a left-handed hitter. So, you know, this is more of a deeper league recommendation. He's 10th on the 10 sleeper hitters here, but you know, maybe it'll go pretty well. Hey, while we're talking Red Sox, Scotty, I got a few write-in votes myself. Tommy, okay. Tommy Pham is still just 68% rostered. So based on yeah. seven games, he's, he's been pretty good with the team. I kind of like that. Yeah, he just got back from injury, and yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just wasn't feeling it, but sure. And then I thought about him. If we're going as deep as Franchi Cordero, I mean, <laughs> my guy Christian Arroyo, he's got to be in the mix here in deeper leagues, right? Like, come on. Uh, Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Scott does not want to give his, uh, <laughs> his stamp of approval on Christian Arroyo. Uh, did you see the other day, by the way, for the Red Sox? Bobby Dahlbeck started at shortstop for them. I did not see that. No, that's interesting. <laughs> that is wild. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I get it. It's, it's you know, dog days of summer. It's it's a game of attrition, but really? <laughs> we're, we're, we're putting Bobby Dahlbeck at shortstop? It's, it's wild stuff. Uh, anyway, all right. Those are the uh, best hitter matchups for next week. And, of course, some hitters you can target. Let's get into some leftovers from Thursday. Tommy Edmond. He's heating back up a little bit. He went three for five with his 25th steal of the season. Mitch Hanniger, who was almost one of our, oh my goodness gracious players, went two for four with his seventh home run. And since returning 17 games, he's batting 313 with four homers in 885 OPS, crushing the ball right now. 92.5 mile per hour average exit velocity during that time. And he is also in a contract year. So I, I think... He might be uh, pretty hot here down the stretch. That is Mitch Hanniger. Kyle Schwarber went one for four with his 35th homer. He leads the National League in home runs and in strikeouts, which I thought was interesting. Pete Alonso went two for four with his 31st homer. Uh, Andrew Vaughn went two for four with his 14th. He is batting 295 overall with an 812 OPS. And I did want to point out an email that we received, Scott, from a White Sox fan named Allen. And he sent me a Twitter thread, and uh, he pointed out that based on the White Sox hitting coach, Frank, I'm not going to say this name correctly, Menachino, I think, whatever, um, that he has prioritized contact over power this year. So that's why, you know, you might see some suppressed power from guys like Jose Abreu, and, you know, Andrew Vaughn has had a very good season but, I mean, not a ton of power. Same thing with Luis Robert, right? Like, he's technically been a letdown. But he says that the hitting coach really prioritizes contact over power, and that could explain, you know, why we haven't seen as much power from those guys. Maybe he should stop doing that. <laughs> I agree. Let's get a few more strikeouts in there, and let's get some power going. Yeah, I, I mean, the White Sox have had a pretty disappointing season. I don't know if that was the uh, I don't know if that was the right approach. Like, why are you mess? Why is a hitting coach messing with Jose Abreu at all? Like, I, come on, I don't know. I, I still think Abreu could be part of like the in, this environment that's going on. But anyway, I thought it was interesting. Anthony Santander went two for five with his twenty second homer. Uh, Bo Bichette went two for four with his eighth stolen base, and 
He does have multiple hits in three of his last four games. And Vlad Jr. also went two for four with two RBI. And in the second half, he's hitting the ball extremely hard. 94 mile per hour exit velocity. However, the launch angle remains down, Scott. 3.4 average launch angle, 51% ground ball rate. For perspective, last year that was 9.4 and 45% ground ball rate. So he's hitting the ball hard, really, really hard, but a, a lot of it mm-hmm. is on the ground. So that's, you know, that's why we've seen a suppressed power output from Vlad Jr. this season as well. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly been worse than last year. It's it's still the second best season of his career. Like, yeah, I, don't, I mean, it's it's a very good season. I think he's hitting 285, 26 homers. It's a good right. year. It's not. It's just not a first round caliber year. Right. Yeah, I, I imagine he'll be a second round pick next year. Yep, I think so. You have to answer right now, Scott. On August twenty sixth, <laughs> you taking Paul Goldschmidt or Vlad Junior next year? I mean, as of right now, I want to say Paul Goldschmidt. I, I do predict that I'll be on a limb, out on a limb with that though, and I'll chicken out and end up. <laughs> Ranking Vladimir Guerrero ahead like everybody else. That's my bold prediction here on August 26th. Mm, doesn't get much more bold and, than that. And then, uh, and then Goldschmidt will be amazing, and I'll probably regret it. <laughs> that's my that's my prediction for next August 26th. Is me talking about me referring back to this moment and talking about how I regret chickening out. Should I put it on my calendar for next year? Like a, a little alert. Ask, yeah, sure. Ask Scott about Paul Goldschmidt versus Vlad Jr. Do that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Some pitching leftovers. Jamison Tyone had a solid start at the Oakland A's. Does it count? It's against the Oakland A's. Six innings, one run, two strikeouts in this one. However, over his last 15 starts, including this one, he's got a 5.06 ERA. But Drew Rasmussen tied a career high with nine strikeouts up against the Angels. Five and a third, one run, nine strikeouts to just one walk. Tristan McKenzie gave up a three-run homer in the first inning, but then settled down quite nicely. He went six innings, three runs, four strikeouts at the Mariners. And that is all I have for these three, Scott. Anything you'd like to add on Tyone, Rasmussen, and McKenzie? Uh, What's interesting about Rasmussen's performance recently, and hopefully you didn't already say this, is that uh, as well as he's pitched, so... 159 ERA and five August starts. Only two of them have been quality, though. That's and, and this one wasn't either. Like that's kind of mm-hmm. the annoying thing about Rasmus and most raised pitchers, frankly. Yeah, I think Jeffrey Springs kind of falls in that same bucket too. So yeah, I, I think they're good pitchers, but yeah, they they don't really go that deep that often. I did get an email from Aaron asking about Tristan McKenzie. Who would you rather have rest of season, him or Dustin May? I think it's pretty close in the rankings. Let me check. Yeah, I think it's really close in my rankings. Let me see who I actually have ahead. Uh, oh, I thought I was already on well, SP. I didn't. I didn't look at your rankings when I updated mine. We have Tristan McKenzie exactly at SP forty-two. Is that in points leagues? Yeah, in points leagues. You okay? Because I'm looking at Roto. Um, yeah, I have Dustin May ahead, yeah. and that that was my that was my impulse now to say Dustin May, but I can confirm that my rankings show that as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a fair question. I have Dustin May just behind Tristan McKenzie. I can't really fault you, but I'll, I'll take McKenzie personally. I want to ask you about Kevin Gosman, Scott. Like, I don't know if there's any reason for this or why this has happened so frequently for him, but he goes five innings at the Red Sox. He gives up nine hits, four runs allowed, six strikeouts. Fastball velocity was down 1.5 miles per hour, so that's not great. Let's Let's monitor that, but... 
His BABIP this season is now 373. It leads all qualified starting pitchers, and it's not close. The next closest pitcher is JT Brubaker at 334. That's um, like 40 points difference between Kevin Gosman and JT Brubaker should not be the case. Like nearly impossible, Scott. I, do you have any theories as to why this is happening? I mean, the first place I'd point is defense, but I don't, I don't think that's the issue. There's probably a definitive stat that could say one way or the other, but I mean, they, they got Matt Chapman at third base, you know? It doesn't seem like that should be the issue. But I don't know what the best all-encompassing defensive statistic is, but based on defensive runs saved, the Blue Jays are fifth best in baseball. Well, that sounds good to me, so... <laughs> Same. Yeah, I don't know. and it It might just be a fluky bad luck sort of thing. Now his line drive rate is really high. And you get you know that's that's the sort of batted ball that yields the highest babbit. But does he deserve to have a line drive rate that high? That's you know you could you could go you could go down the down the well thinking through these you know chicken chicken and egg scenarios, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just I just keep running Kevin Gosman out there and not think about it too much. But yeah, it's, it does seem it it does seem at least to some degree to be just a bad luck sort of thing if he's that far ahead of the the second highest in terms of Babbitt. You know, I, I know UZR is also a big defensive metric, and the Blue Jays are fourth worst in that. So I I don't know how we get that kind of disparity between two different defensive metrics, but I'm sure there's a reason. And I don't know. Maybe that's it for, for Kevin Gosman's high BABIP. The call to the bullpen. Some updates here for the Mariners. Andres Munoz recorded the final four outs, including three strikeouts for his third save. Paul Sewald worked back-to-back days before this, and he did take the loss on Wednesday. So I think he was probably just unavailable. We mentioned earlier, but for the White Sox, Liam Hendricks came in in a one-run game, and he gave up a game-tying home run to... Kyle Stowers on the other side for the Orioles. Felix Bautista tossed two perfect innings in in extra innings, and uh, he wound up with the win in that one. He is a, just a massive human being, Scott. Like, have you ever seen Felix Bautista against like next to other human beings? It's pretty crazy. Okay, I'll, I'll look into that. <laughs> he's he's just a hulking human being. It's what is it? He's his Fangraph says six five one ninety. There is no chance that this man is 190 pounds, like zero percent chance. And he's not like he's not fat or anything. He's he's just big. He's like there's a lot of mass there. He's just a big human being. For the Astros, we already mentioned it, but Rafael Montero picked up the save. And if you are looking to replace Ryan Presley, he is probably the one to add. To stream or not to stream for Friday, we've got Cade Cavalli versus the Reds, Bailey Falter versus the Pirates, Mitch White versus the Angels. Michael Waka versus the Rays, Glenn Otto versus the Tigers, Justin Steele at the Brewers, Jose Quintana versus the Braves, and J.P. Sears versus the Yankees. So Justin Steele would be the top choice here. He's been on a nice run. Brewers are bad against left-handers. If I had to pick a second one, it might actually be Bailey Falter going against the Pirates. I mean, that was who his last start was against, and it went very well. Actually, I think it was two turns ago, but it went very well. Definitely keeping an eye on Cade Cavalli, but not not going to run him out there for his major league debut. 
Mm-hmm. I think Michael Waka is fine too. On Saturday, we have Kyle Gibson versus the Pirates, Eduardo Rodriguez at the Rangers, Drew Smiley at the Brewers, and David Peterson versus the Rockies. I think they're all kind of okay. Yeah, they are. My favorite is David Peterson, followed by Kyle Gibson. But Rodriguez against the Rangers, Smiley at the Brewers, those those would both be okay too. Those, those would be my second choice if they were on Friday. Either of those guys would be. All right. And then on Sunday, we have Nick Lodolo at the Nationals, Rowanzi Contreras at the Phillies, Ross Stripling versus the Angels, Jacob Junis at the Twins, Domingo Herman at the A's, and Aaron Savali at the Mariners. Gonna go Nick Lodolo at Washington as the best choice. Stripling against the Angels is right there with him. And I don't really care for any of the others. <laughs> All righty. Let's wrap up with a fantasy justice question. It's been a long time since we've done this. And back in the day when Adam Azer used to host, you guys used to do the regulator segment. But uh, due to copyright reasons, we can't play the regulators anymore. So I came up with the fantasy justice. It I got some guitar riff. It kind of reminds me of Metallica. So that's what I'm going for. Fantasy Justice for All. If you have a question that's not fantasy related, it's kind of a commissioner or some kind of weird thing that's going on in your league related, then send it in and put Fantasy Justice in the subject line. But let's get into it. This one's from Ryan in St. Louis. This is the ninth year of our Roto Keeper League. There are three brothers in the league, the oldest brother being the commissioner. It's always been thought that the commish might give advice to his younger brother, but nothing egregious. Commish has won the league five times. One younger bro has never gotten higher than fifth. What caused me to send this email? As our trade deadline approached, the commish made a deal with one of his younger bros. The commish received Aaron Nola and Josh Bell. Both had to be dropped after this year. For Freddie Peralta, Michael Massey, and Rysel Iglesias. Not horrible, so nobody said anything. Younger bro proceeded to drop Michael Massey a couple of weeks later, and the commish picked him back up. Then, the commish does another deal, and he gets Starling Marte, would not have to be dropped at the end of the year, so he can be a keeper. And um, he got Marte for Edward Cabrera and Michael Massey for the second time. What do you think? Uh, so he dropped, so the, the brother dropped Michael Massey and the commissioner picked up Massey and he traded Massey again. Did he trade him to the brother who just dropped him? I No. So he, he originally had Massey. He traded him mm-hmm. to his younger brother. That mm-hmm. brother dropped Michael Massey. And then the commissioner mm-hmm. who originally traded him picked him back up and yeah. used him in another trade. Frankly, I, I don't, I don't, okay. have, I don't have a huge issue with this. <laughs> no. That like it's understandable somebody dropping Michael Massey. It's not like he's yeah he's he's like twenty five percent rostered at CBS or something like that. It's mm-hmm. it, he's he's somebody who you could definitely see being dropped for legitimate reasons. And but you could also in a in a league that with keepers you could also see somebody valuing him enough to acquire him in a trade. No, I know I don't. Nothing really. Strikes me as suspicious here. I think you're being a bit conspiratorial. Ooh, it's a good word there. Um, unless the only thing I could think of, but there's no mention of this, is if the older brother told the younger brother to drop Michael Massey so that well, he can get him back. Yeah, but, I mean that yeah. that that seems like what the the assumption being made here is. Yeah. But, but I mean, I, I don't. You're right. Like Michael Massey could have just been dropped. Like, he hasn't 
you know, he hasn't done much so far. I mean, we still like him, but you know, yeah, he hasn't really done much. So yeah, unless that's the case and you can confirm that that has happened, then I think it's fine. And maybe you should have just picked up Michael Massey and made this trade <laughs> instead. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but that is my answer. And I know you probably won't like it, but I feel like justice has been served. We're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye.